Hello and welcome to the Secure Chat Podcast, presented by Archon. This is a whole new security podcast geared towards you, our trusted clients. Each episode, our security experts will explore pressing security news, from the latest malware threat to user errors and top risk management solutions. Tune in each month to learn more about data breaches, what they mean for your business, and how you can optimize your security strategy. I want security. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us on our Secure Chat podcast. My name is Sean, and today I'm joined with our co host Corey, as well as a special guest, Danny, who is one of the producers here on the Secure Chat podcast. Danny, why don't you tell us a little something about yourself? Hey everyone, my name is Danny. Um, I'm one of the producers for the podcast. I have been working at Archon for almost a year now. Um, love it more every single day, and I enjoy editing and working on the podcast for you guys. Awesome. Well, definitely glad you're here, Danny. Uh, today we have a special two part series for you. A few team members from Archon, including Danny, went to Checkpoint Cybersecurity Conference last month to learn about the latest in security. Danny, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you learned? So Checkpoint is actually one of our software partners at Archon, and we've worked with them for several years to provide top cybersecurity solutions to our clients. Some of their most prominent solutions include multi-level security architecture to protect enterprises from malware, ransomware, and other targeted attacks. The conference they host each year, CPX360, is an incredible expo where industry experts from around the world get together to share their analysis, insights, and actionable business strategies to help improve your security posture. So yeah, we're always really eager to attend the conference and get a better understanding of today's threats. And fortunately, I was able to interview a few of our partners and clients and learn more about what everyone's talking about. Yeah, that sounds like a really good time. Uh, what were your thoughts about the conference? I actually enjoyed it a lot. Um, it was in New Orleans this year, so I've never been before, so it's pretty crazy to go around town, see all the different sites. The conference itself was actually very informative, and for someone who's not a big tech person, I actually learned a lot. So Danny, while you were down there, as somebody who isn't exactly a technical person on the front lines of cybersecurity, were there any aspects of the conference that you thought were really interesting or that you learned from? Yeah, actually, it's funny that you asked that. On the second day, um, they had the expo, and that's where everyone had the different booths and all the different information that they were displaying with their companies. You got to walk around, um, see different demonstrations that were going on. I actually did learn a lot about security and just making sure that I'm being more careful, you know, with all the work information that I'm doing um, on my work laptop. It's just a lot of different things that you wouldn't really think about. Sure. And the uh, the demonstration that you saw were so were there's more like physical, like they had computers that stuff was going wrong on or were they trying to show you how kind of like easy it was that people could break in and get information um, as someone who just didn't attend you know I would have been interested to see this but you know what, what were some things you saw that maybe were kind of cool um, well actually at the expo um, they had different booths where it wasn't really showing you how hackers hack into something it was more of showing you the solutions when that happens so they had different demonstrations going on about how to be proactive when that happens to you um, and yeah, it was, it was pretty, it's pretty cool. So Danny, I heard you got to interview some of our clients. How was that? I did. It was actually really fun. Um, actually, I got to interview Ron Palermo, who is the chief information security officer for Sphera. So Ron specializes in IT security risk management and remediation, and he does a great job talking about some of the most pressing challenges that we have to face coming to 2020. Awesome. Let's give it a listen. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us on our fourth episode of the Secure Chat podcast. My name is Dania Santepia, and I produce um, the podcast here for Archon. 
I'm hosting this episode for the Cybersecurity Summit and Expo in New Orleans, which is hosted by our Checkpoint partners. I am joined today with Ron Palermo, the Chief Information Security Officer at Sphera. And we wanted to spend some time talking about the recent trends in the cybersecurity landscape, what to expect in 2020, and top software solutions that can make your cybersecurity to the next level. Ron, before we start, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks, and thanks for having me today. You know, I've been with Sphere now about a year and a half uh, as our CISO. And pr- previous to that, uh, worked with uh, various consulting companies and uh, other big name insurance brokers and manufacturers uh, in the cybersecurity space. So it's been a almost a 22-year career in, in information security. So wow. it's been a fun ride. Um, Ron, can you tell us more about um, Sphera as a company? And so Sphera uh, is an environmental health and safety organization. We sell various software components that help companies uh, monitor their chemical output, um, define what chemicals they're using and how they're being shipped. Uh, is it hazardous waste? Uh, we help companies track their incidents uh, and injuries at work and over time our software helps them uh, define patterns so they can be a safer uh, more sustainable organization um is this your first time attending cpx 360 this is my second time Uh, okay how do you like it i i enjoy it i think the courses and the conferences the talks are very beneficial Uh, they keep me up to date on on new technology that's coming out uh, and i get to meet old friends and make new ones All right, so let's dive into the cybersecurity landscape. What changes have we seen in 2019 and what challenges might emerge for technologies and platforms in 2020? Good question. I'm always amazed at the number of attacks uh, that that are happening year after year. Every corporation, if you haven't been hacked, you're going to be hacked. It's just a matter of when. Trying to defend against that is a daunting task. Trying to look at all the threats that, that go against your company uh, and, and similar companies in the, in, in the world, and then trying to put together that game plan, that approach to uh, defending, protecting, uh, fighting those attacks, it's, it's a challenge. Right. Um, it's a fun challenge, though. I think, you know, in my world at Sphere Solutions, we spend a lot of time uh, developing new applications. So we're spending a lot of time in that, looking at how we better protect the applications, how we scan for vulnerabilities uh, and code, code problems. Um, can never overlook uh, a good external penetration test and, and the data that that will provide. So in 2019, we also saw a significant increase in big data applications moving to the cloud. Can you talk a little more about cloud native applications and how they're at risk too? Another great question. So our, our main application is, is cloud-based. We use big data. Uh, we're in the process of putting together a, a full API suite that, that will help our customers uh, use our data and, and use the application better. Uh, it's something we're looking at on an almost daily basis. Uh, we, our primary application sits today in Microsoft Azure. So we're using the services that they provide to help secure that environment as best possible. And this is an evolving, it's an evolving technology and evolving space. So uh, the, the controls aren't as mature as I'd like to see at this point but we're doing the best we can. Uh, the microservices uh, that, that Azure provides, you know, there's a lot of debate on, on how, uh, you know, how vulnerable they actually are, because there's not been a ton of testing out there yet. We're, we're you know, looking at uh, 
staying with our foundational tech, right? Doing penetration tests and vulnerability scans, um, reviewing how our codes developed and written, uh, and, and the APIs are no different than that. You know, we're doing the same things for those. So it's been reported that the biggest cyber threat to U.S. businesses in 2019 was employee negligence. Um, how do we keep employees from exposing sensitive information? I chuckle uh, when you say that question because <laughs> it, you know your employees are your weakest link. Always have been, and I, I believe always or will be for, for the foreseeable future, as long as an employee logs into a technology. Training, training, more training and more training, uh, and then testing your employees. Uh, so we, we do an annual awareness training uh, that every year it gets better and better. We take the threats we've seen and the attacks we've seen the previous year and we try to incorporate those into our training. And then we try to test our people. Uh, phishing campaigns, uh, you know, uh, there's different tools out there for, for phishing, to run a phishing campaign to see how your colleagues and employees would, would react to a phish attack. Uh, and then using that data and that output to force back into continual training. Awesome. It's not easy. Uh, employees want to do their work fast. They want to. They don't want to read emails. They just want to click and open attachments, uh, and that puts not only themselves but the whole company at risk. So, spending a lot of time on training uh, at the mass level and at the at the micro level as well. That's really important to know, um, and I think a lot of companies should do that if they don't already. As an expert in IT security, risk management, and remediation. Can you talk about how leaders today are identifying security risks, driving successful remediation efforts, and how these strategies can change between industries? So I don't. I don't think they. At the at the core, I don't think they. I don't think the industry matters. I think partnering with the business is the biggest factor into identifying and mitigating risk. If you are not hand in hand with your business, uh, you're you're not going to find the risks that matter to them, and and, and help mitigate. I look at information security as a as a uh, as a balance between keeping the business secure, but also allowing the business to make money, and and it is a fine line. It is a balance, and that that line does shift uh, over time and as the risks emerge and change. So regardless of the the industry, and I've worked in finance, I've worked in insurance, I've worked in manufacturing, uh, and now uh, SaaS software products. I think at the core, you need to partner with your business. You need to understand what their needs are, their demands are, and then that will drive what risks uh, that they have. Ron, what do you think the biggest cybersecurity threats are going to be in 2020? So let me talk specifically about my organization and what I think is going to be attacking Sphere Solutions. Uh, phishing attacks, I think, are going to be our number one uh, issue in 2020. Uh, our senior leaders, as most senior leaders are, uh, they're, they're very busy, right? And, and they're, but it makes them, because of their position, title, and the access they have, ripe for attack. So we're spending a lot of time on defending against phishing, looking at putting in tools that help us on the front end when we get emails, detect them, and just get them out of people's email boxes. And on the back end, testing our users uh, on a frequent basis to improve their intelligence around phishing attacks. I can't overstate that it's phishing is the is a doorway for attackers. It's gonna always be that way, and they're gonna use those threat vectors to get in and uh, get you know get account credentials, you know, and then gets them further in. If they hit the right person, if they get the CFO, if they get our main database administrator, 
then they're now looking at having keys to our kingdom and, and could do potentially some serious damage. Right. Who do you think are the biggest targets when it comes to ransomware and how can we prevent that from happening? So we, we talked about phishing and, and phishing being an entry rate and an attack vector. Well, a lot of times phishing uh, is the front end of a ransomware attack. Ransomware, uh, you know, there's a couple reasons that you would be attacked for ransomware. One is for the attacker to make money, right? That will lock out your systems uh, and demand money, ransom. Uh, the other thing is just to cause havoc within the organization. So having the right tools in place, the right antivirus or uh, advanced threat tools, uh, training your users to detect uh, phishing attacks, not clicking on links, not opening up attachments that they don't expect, it goes all back to that training, training perspective. And um, do you have any security advice or software recommendations for businesses or individuals going into 2020? If you're not doing your, your bread and butter things, if you're not doing antivirus, if you're not doing uh, log correlation and collection, um, you know, in, intrusion detection, just the base. If you're not doing those and you're not doing them well, then you're going to get attacked. You're going to get hacked. Um, even with those, you can still, you're still going to get, you know, attacked, but at least you're going to have the core foundation to identify and react. Uh, a lot of companies want to put in, um, you know, advanced threat protection tools, but they don't have basic antivirus running. There, there's that need to, to protect what's important and, and it starts with a good foundation. Awesome. Well, I think that is all the questions that we have for you. Thank you so much, Ron, for joining us this month as we discuss the latest trends in cybersecurity and technology and defense strategies to take your cybersecurity to the next level. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to our monthly podcast for more security tips and tricks. Yeah, so that was my interview with Ron. It was actually really fun to have him and have him on the podcast, and he was very informative. He actually told me basically all of it that I did not know before. So it's always great going to a cybersecurity conference and, and meeting people like Ron who are just, they explain things very well for people who aren't on the tech side to understand, which is why I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, I thought he made a lot of good points. Um, the end user is the biggest vulnerability for companies. Uh, they will make mistakes. A lot of software locks down data, but the end user doesn't necessarily lock it down as much. Um, he made some good points about the cloud. One common misconception about the cloud is that it's locked down and very secure just because it's the cloud, but that's not the case. Yeah, I agree with you, Corey. Uh, first point I want to touch on with that is like the user. Um, with that, we know that the user is always going to be the weakest link in the chain, and that's simply just because you can have the most lockdown system that there is, but if someone is just throwing out domain admin rights to an account and that user isn't using a secure password, um, all that's going to come out of that is that all it takes is one small slip up and that person now has the keys of the kingdom. Yeah, and one reason why he thinks that the end user is going to be the biggest vulnerability going forward is because of how targeted phishing attacks are getting. I would say even too, like not even just phishing, I just think that user at the end of the day is the one thing you can't fix you could throw a sim in you could throw the most robust firewall in. you could have every single hot fix and update applied you could have the most robust systems and system security and overwatching the end of the day you cannot fix every single person that walks through your door and that's why that vulnerability is always going to be exploited and the reason why the end user will be the biggest vulnerability is because uh, we use things like mimecast that block uh, phishing emails but you can't block everything. If you block everything, it affects production. So 
things are going to get through and the end users have the responsibility to make sure that they aren't clicking on things that are malicious. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, so I just sorry I want to cut you off there, but I mean, what, what you saw with Minecraft, I mean, it's, it's a pain point because at least from the IT standpoint, you know, there is no happy medium. Either clients are happy that all their emails are getting through and you know that there's going to be malicious things that are coming through or you lock everything down and you can't, you know, then users are complaining, they're putting a bunch of tickets that they can't get the work done, that productivity is killed. And with that, there, that, that is why at the end of the day, users are going to be exploited just because they're the most vocal and the vocal, you know, I guess the, the old saying is the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Um, in the sense that when things aren't working, people are going to want change. And sometimes the easiest way to make the change is to allow the stuff through. Yeah, so it's really important for companies to constantly be educating their employees about phishing attempts, uh, vulnerability, how they themselves are a vulnerability. And it's good for companies to also send out you know, fake phishing emails um, just to see who's clicking. And if you click, then you should be educated a bit more on why you shouldn't have clicked on that. Yeah, I agree. And uh, just to sort of play on that cloud security aspect too, um, when everything's up in the cloud, Everything's gonna be relied on username and passwords. You know, when you log into that system, username and password that gets you in your systems, whether it's an SSO, um, whether it's any type of single sign-on type measure, uh, like a portal, like a Centrify or Adaptive. With that, if you've compromised one password, now you're giving that person the keys to everything that you have. And as we've seen, we've I know we've discussed in, in the past episodes as well, is that a cloud security still has to live somewhere. So it's not just up you know, up in the air, sort of traveling around, like there is always going to be a data center that hosts that on a physical server that needs to make sure it's secured. So on top of you having, you know, as a company, your responsibility is to make sure your password policy is up to date, but you also are relying on the data center to keep all their items in check and up to date. And that's why it's important to even have things like uh, two-factor authentication for emails. Um, let's say somebody clicks on a phishing scam and they give up their credentials, uh, two-factor authentication still ha makes the the hacker approve the message on the phone to get into the email so if you give up your credentials and someone's trying to sign into your computer you can still deny that authentication into your email then we go a step above that and that's mimecast where we can filter through what's coming through your domain um, mimecast is really good as like a high level and then even above that with rapid seven where we can see this ip address is trying to sign into this client's unit um, from this location. Um, it's, it's really good stuff if you can get all three of those things working together. Um, would you like to touch on even what we had go go on a couple days ago? Yeah, I mean, what we saw was a, a, what we discussed a few few months ago uh, with the data breaches. Uh, you, know, you and I were both on the front lines for a full-scale uh, attack, essentially. There was, there was an account where it was a domain name account that was compromised, and they had that password, and from there they were sending out different requests to every server within that company. And without Rapid7, we wouldn't have known that was going on because it was just simple logons to a server in the middle of the day. Like that, for us, like that's just normal user activity, trying to authenticate the Citrix session. Um, but on top of that, with Rapid7, we're like, okay, within a couple of minutes, this one user is authenticated to nine different servers. We need to check this out. Yeah, I don't think Sean and I can stress enough how amazing of a program like Rapid7 is. Um, we had an incident where a disabled account was trying to go to... It was like eight or nine servers, um, and we were able to quarantine anything malicious within the first hour of it going on. If we didn't have Rapid7, it would have been running wild through 
all eight of those servers, and it, w it would have been all of Archon staying up through the night to, to remedy the issue, pulling backups and rebuilding these servers. But because of Rapid7, we were able to nip it in the butt in the first hour. With Archon staying up all night, that's one night of us trying to pull backups, but that's not accounting for the data loss you'd have uh, for just the lost downtime because it started at about like a three o'clock. So that, that kills the rest of the day's production. But on top of that, our instant response time, it was within three minutes, we saw the account sending out these, these access requests. Within a minute of that, the account was disabled and we were checking all nine servers because we had all hands on deck with that. So with that, that mitigated any type of request. So all the time that we spent throughout the day was just a double check to make sure there was no back doors open to make sure that this wasn't gonna happen again. In the event that we didn't have Rapid7, it would have caused a absolute madhouse where he was getting domain controllers, file servers, Citrix applications. It was going to take down everything. So that would have been restoring everything we had to on top of that, causing the amount of money for an entire company to be down for multiple days pulling backups. All because of one specific program we had that was mitigated to a 15-minute time where services were interrupted for the client but there was no actual downtime for them yeah rapid seven is like having renter's insurance it sucks paying that every month but the second the apartment burns down and all your stuff is gone it's really nice you have insurance at that point yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um sean do you have any more comments to make I think I think we hit everything that we wanted to. I think Ron brought up a lot of really great points, and uh, you know, again, I want to stress that I was a little sad that I wasn't able to go to Checkpoint <laughs> Conference. But um, so we do want to remind everyone that this is going to be a two-part episode where we're going to have next month coming out for the second half of Danny's interview. I believe this next interview is that she's going to interview with Tim Otis, who's a global operations team lead on the incident response for Checkpoint. So as you know, we touched briefly on our incident response, what we went through. We're going to see someone who is a global standing sees this every single day. Because you know, for us personally, this is a fire drill. We never want this to happen. This is this guy's life. So it's going to be a great episode. Make sure you tune in next month for that. Perfect.